it is a journey and I suppose I can appreciate what, how it could be maybe somewhat frustrating for people because they say, well, I have a problem, where's the solution? And the story for that is that, well, look, you know, three years ago we started with not knowing X, but actually now we know X and Y and we've learned an awful lot more about it. The Juggers Crops Open Day took place last week in Oak Park, Carlow. A huge crowd enjoyed great weather, excellent research and demonstrations of machinery in both tillage and horticulture. We will bring you a number of highlights from the event in the next number of shows. You are listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. In this, the first of four shows from the Crops Open Day in Oak Park, I first chatted to Ewan Mullins, the Head of Crops Research in Oak Park, about the aims of the Open Day. From there, I caught up with Dermot Forrestal, a researcher in Chagas, who talks about the machinery demonstrations on the day. Finally, I chatted to Lisa Ryan, a researcher in Chagas, to talk about the new brewing and distilling hub in Oak Park. But first, let's hear from Ewan to get an overview of the Open Day. We've tried a, a few new things for this open day. We've tried to consolidate the boards a bit more um, to lessen the walk time for people. And, and we've learned a lot from that, which is great for the next open day as well. Um, but I mean, when you see the research here and when you have stakeholders telling you that actually they're, they're taking home messages, you know, that's an important thing for us to, to take away. And uh, just at the very start there, there was, there was um, uh, uh, some talk around the challenges and opportunities and some of those, I suppose, big areas, the likes mm. of climate change, developing more protein, integrated pest management, they have carried through to all of the boards here of which we're listening to as well today. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a theme because, look, we know everybody is well versed with all the challenges we have, the ones you've just listed there. So we need to peel them off bit by bit. You know, we, we can't solve all of those either on our own or in one go. Um, we need to help. We need help from collaborators, both nationally and internationally, and that's what we do in our in our research projects. Um, but people are seeing on the boards that actually the work that we started a couple of years ago is now now you know it's coming to fruition. Um, but it is a journey, and I suppose I can appreciate what, how it could be maybe somewhat frustrating for people because they say, "Well, I have a problem. Where's the solution?" And where where the story for that is that well, look, you know, three years ago we started with not knowing X, but actually now we know X and Y and we've learned an awful lot more about it. So the BYDV is, is a great example. You know, we used record aphids in a couple of square metres in one field and that was that was what was going out um, to, to advisors, etc. Now we have the capacity to know exactly uh, the viral load in the aphids, whether the aphids are insecticide resistant and what strain is the virus are the aphids carrying. And, and that gives us huge power and resolution for any IPM strategy that we develop. Okay, and of course you're, you're, you're um, combining that with a lot of uh, demonstrations as well, down with uh, everyone likes to kick machi yeah, look at machinery exactly. and kick a few tires and that kind of thing. Well, they, were power, they were power washing machines last night. I've never seen machines so clean. So, okay, uh, so that's it, going it, well as well today. It is, it is. And I mean, and obviously that's a huge attraction and, and it's a credit to the Farmers Journal for all their organisation and, and putting all of that together. And now we go to Dermot Forrestal, who talks about the machinery demonstrations on the day. So the focus on, on this part of the demonstration was really about stubble cultivation. And that was either for, I suppose, three reasons. One would be to establish green cover, which is a requirement now under the nitrates regulations. Uh, either to establish it from just by chitting the seed that's already there, you know, whether it's volunteers or whatever, or to, to, to establish green cover by sowing cover crops. And of course, the third element then, I suppose, that sub, stubble cultivation contributes to would be uh, st um, stale seed beds uh, in terms of weed control, a weed control strategy as part of a stale seed bed approach. Okay, so and, and so in terms of establishing the crops, so you had very different types of machines here doing 
different types of work? Were they yeah. all are they all designed to be able to sow the cover crops thereafter, well, or part of the process? Well, they're part of the process. They weren't all uh, capable. So basically, what we had was on the cultivation side, we had tine cultivators, disc cultivators, disc and tine cultivators. We had a simple straw rake. Right, which has a role there. We showed a roller in terms of what it would do in terms of consolidation. And all of those machines, a lot of them had uh, the options of having simple pneumatic seeders on them for sowing a cover crop, you know, either with the cultivator or indeed with the roller. Okay, so those simple ones. But we also showed drills separately from that because we felt that if growers actually have drills that can work directly onto the stubble, uh, well then they can do that, they can establish a cover crop that way without other cultivation. So we had min-till drills working, we had a, a category for strip-till or tine seed or type drills, which is the tine drills we got rather than true strip-tills, and we had direct drills working. So they were all working there as well. When I came around the corner there, I seen a huge amount of people down in the middle of the field kicking the bits of stubble after you're finished and you were doing a bit of comparing. What were people actually looking for? Well, what we were looking there for was the type of job that these machines were doing because I was stressing, I suppose, with people that all you're trying to do here is establish either a cover crop or green cover, right? So there's no de no, no de need for very deep cultivation. And as a matter of fact, you know, shallow cultivation is really what you're looking for. And if you're, if you're trying to, even for a stale seedbed, a stale seedbed approach to, to try and control something like sterile brome, what you want to do is move the full width soil, in other words, to try and disturb everything, but not to a depth. So that's what we're trying to get people to watch, to look for, is it moving all the soil? Some of them uh, would, you know, struggle to move all the soil without working to a depth, whereas others, depending on the share type, for instance, that was on the, the time machines, uh, could actually move all the soil while working very, very shallow. So that's what they were looking for. We're also looking for them to look at the degree of consolidation that was there, because we stressed that even any of the time, any of the cultivators that we saw probably would have needed a separate run on this soil at this time of year to consolidate or compact it because otherwise it will just dry out too much and the establishment will be very very poor. So there's various different ranges and types of cultivators out there is that can a cheaper version versus the dearer version yeah. can you know does that reflect the job that they do if you like will the dearer one do a better job versus the cheaper one or vice versa? I suppose the dearer machines that we saw there today like were really machines that could be used for much more than establishing cover crops and that's what we're trying to say to people that you know, to be very careful about investing a lot of money only for something that's going to deal with cover crops because the cover crop isn't going to pay you back a lot of money in terms of, you know, it is certainly going to do good for the environment in terms of capturing nutrients. Some of those might, those nutrients might come back to you, but not a lot. So, and it, there's other benefits in terms of maybe soils and that as well. But it's not, you know, people have to really uh, cut the cloth to suit their measure in terms of what they're going to use on their particular farm. So in, in, in answer to your question, yes, the more expensive machines are capable of doing more, but they might be capable of doing more than we need if that, all that machine is going to do is establish cover crops. So some of the simpler machines were still moving enough soil to create the conditions for a cover crop or indeed green cover naturally to grow in those conditions. And we're even saying to people, you know, not to rule out older stubble cultivators that are there, even the concept of using the old Kongskilled Viberflex Tine, if they're still around, they still moved plenty of soil to create the sort of conditions that we want. Use those with a roller, maybe with simple broadcaster type uh, seeder, even a fertilizer spreader. Some fertilizer spreaders will cope with uh, cover crop seed, but they will take a lot of setting up to do it properly. And when you talk about there's tine and there's uh, disc-based mm. systems, is there an inherent advantage of one over the other, yeah. do you think? The tine is probably very versatile in terms of its working depth. So most of the tine stubble cultivators that are out there 
will, with, if you fit them with very broad shares, will work quite happily at quite shallow depths, okay, to, which is all we really need in lots of cases for cover crops or green cover establishment. But if you want to use them as your main tillage tool, where you're cultivating for your main crop and you're deciding maybe whether it's a spring crop or a winter crop to cultivate deeper, which a lot of growers do without inversion, they have the capacity to go down to you know, 150, 180, 200 millimetres down to plowing depth if you wanted them to. So the tine is quite versatile. Probably is at risk of bringing up more stones, okay? The discs, particularly the short compact type discs that we see in a lot of farmers using, they're, you know, they're, they're not as versatile in terms of the depth, but actually for cover crop establishment and indeed for stubble cultivation, they're fine. As a matter of fact, they, you know, they, they, they probably will keep you up and not, uh, you won't be tempted to go deep with them, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but they tend not to bring up stones the same way as the, as the time machine might. They, are, they all come at a cost they and do. there's some very costly looking machines out here. So is, would your message be to really evaluate what you're trying to do in terms of that old cost? No, I think so. I think, I think, look, we have to go back. Look, people are investing a lot of money. I think the TAMS grants are a huge help, but I think people really want to be not farming for the grant. They want to really look at what these machines are going to cost them when they buy, but cost them to run in the longer term. Have the tractor big enough? Does it fit in with their system? A lot of this, the, the, the stubble cultivation that we're talking about, we have to do it very, very quickly around the harvest period. So there's a huge issue there in terms of supplying labour and tractors to do it at that particular period. So, you know, it might make sense in some farms not to choose to do that and to get a contractor to do that component rather than investing in that. So people need, yes, they need, uh, in answer to your question, they need to look carefully at the cost base of, of, of uh, providing some of these machines. I'm now going across to Lisa Ryan to talk about the new brewing and distilling hub in Oak Park. So I'm working in the new brewing and distilling centre in Oak Park um, and we're currently in the first phase of the start-up really. We have the capability to malt um, up to 250 kg batches of uh, malt in a, in a pilot plant and in micro-malting. So that feeds into the research that's happening in all the different sites in, Oak, in, in Chagas really. Um, and the goal is to optimise Irish grains um, for the brewing and distilling industry. Um, so as I said, we were in the first phase. The second phase then we'll, we, we'll hope to secure funding for um, a microbrewery and a micro distillery. So that will allow us to, uh, I suppose, close the circle in terms of um, the analysis on, on Irish grain for, for the industry. So the trials out in the field and the agronomy stuff will happen in, in um, Dagask in Oak Park. And then I can bring the grains into uh, my centre then to malt, brew and distill them um, and then share that with the industry. Um, the aim would, would be to open the centre for the industry as well so they can come in and do some of their research in-house. The aim was to get commercial people in? To rent the facility and um, they can use their research and development um, in-house in here rather than taking up their own plant and losing production and potentially losing a lot of um, money in terms of, of, you know, if they did a trial in their plant and it failed it would cost a lot. Was so that aimed at the, the, the small microbrewery that's out there or is it both the micro and the really big guys? Uh, well, the really big guys have a lot of that stuff in-house already. So, so I mean, I'm happy to, to share the centre with whoever needs it, but it's ultimately focused at the smaller guy that doesn't have the, the capacity or the, the capability to do small-scale trials and test out different recipes and, I suppose, optimise their process as well. So, so yeah, it's open, to, it's open to everyone, really. So that's it for this week. And my thanks to Ewan, Dermot and Lisa for joining me on the show. Next week, the show will focus on protein crops where I chat to a number of researchers about intercropping, chocolate spot, brewhood beetle, 
and the role proteins can play in the food ingredient supply chain for prepared customer foods. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.